Welcome to the Self-Worth Safari podcast, a series in which we apply self-worth to the art of living and working. My guest today is Angela Raspas. Angela has just hours ago uh, launched her new book, um, Your Next Chapter. Welcome, Angela. Hello, John. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I've been looking forward to this conversation all day. Well, good. Um, Angela is an author, a speaker, a coach, uh, a podcaster in her own right. So let's start with uh, your next chapter, Angela. How did that come on, come into being? Oh, the chapter that I'm on at the moment, because um, we have many chapters and that's the way I like to describe the sort of way that our world and our, and our work unfolds. So the one that I'm on at the moment, um, it came about after recognizing that the business that I had built, although it was using um, my skills, so I had a marketing agency, uh, which was a logical step after leaving corporate world because I did marketing there. So I started a marketing agency and on the outside, everything went really well and it, and it grew from home and I got staff and an office and all the good things. But what was happening was the gradual recognition that I was heading towards burnout because I was doing what I could do, but not necessarily what I wanted to do. I really believe that when you're in a, in a, um, a business that is sustainable, then it, it combines like contribution and fulfillment as well as financial reward. And the fulfillment was sadly lacking. So that's why I needed to pirouette into a next chapter. We've decided to change pivots to pirouette and, um, and instead move from consulting to mentoring so that I could then help other women not stay doing what they can, but not necessarily what they want. So that's what it was all about. And I love that quote of yours that says, it's not just about being inspired, it's about how you inspire others to see themselves. Can you say a bit more about that? Oh, it's one of my, it's probably one of my main focuses in life. My own journey, my, my own journey into being reconnected to my own sense of, of worthiness and self-worth, it made me really understand the journey that so many others want to go on and need to go on as well, which is really seeing themselves for oh, the value that they that they contribute to the world for seeing themselves as the unique individual that they are for seeing themselves as as capable of contribution of contributing to the world in their own way and so it's not all about you I mean I really think that we are here to help other people become the people that they're destined to be and we do that by witnessing them by supporting them by encouraging them to discover who they really are and so that is just a big part of what I love to do these days. Mm. And at what point did you pirouette? Was there, was there a moment or was there an event or was there one of these um, road to Damascus experiences that prompted your own pirouette? Oh, it actually, there's probably two answers to that question because, and I talk about this in the book, in the Your Next Chapter book, where I have a cycle of change that you move through. And the first step in the change cycle is discontent. It's recognizing the discontent. And 
quite often it rumbles under the surface for quite some time and you don't allow it full voice because it's like, no, I've got to, you know, ante up and get on with this and suck it up, sweetheart, and that type of thing. You know, I've, this is a great business. What's your problem? You know, get on with it. So the discontent was bubbling because I was burning out. I was trying to be the best mum, the best wife, the best business owner, the best employer. Something was going to give. But I'm also very stubborn and, um, and thought that I could just, you know, push through this. So there was that gradual discontent that was building to a crescendo and it burst on one particular day. My husband had stepped into his own next chapter. He moved out of consulting and he'd actually started down the sailing as a hobby scenario but then actually was building it into a business long story but to cut that one short he came back from his very first ocean race where he'd gone from Sydney to Lord Howe Island it's a spectacular race and I picked him up from the airport and he was bouncing towards the car and he sat in the car and went, oh, my God, it was incredible. And like the sea and the, and the clouds and the moon and, the, and just enraptured with what he'd done. And he told me how spectacular it was. Yeah, he was so excited. Then he turned to me and said, so how was your week? To which I promptly like burst into tears, smacked <laughs> the steering wheel and said, I can't do this anymore. And because wow. the contrast between his delights and my you know, discontent and, and um, stress was, was so extreme. And then he stopped and he looked at me and he put his hand on my arm and said, so don't. And I was like, is, can, is it that easy? Can I actually choose? And that was the moment when a door opened to recognize that I was sticking myself. I was stuck, but I was the one that was doing that. And I did have a choice. Now, today you call yourself a self-worth ad advocate. And of course, it's precisely on that theme that we met. Um, why self-worth? Of, of all the themes that Angela could have chosen with your <laughs> glittering background that I haven't even talked about yet, um, with, with all the different topics and themes and values and directions that you could have chosen, why self-worth? It's from personal experience, John, the recognition of what I was lacking and to be completely honest, a, a big part of my background, a big part of what helped me get, move into new chapters is getting out of addiction. I'm 14 years in recovery. It was the biggest change in my life. And it's only now with the benefit of what I call kind sight, which is compassionate reflection, I can see the reason why, one of the reasons why I was um, very susceptible to addiction was because I sourced my well-being, my, my opinion of myself from outside of myself. I was so lacking in my own grounded sense of worthiness that I needed to get recognition and relevance from the outside world. And that was the missing piece to me being able to be, to be well and to be able to you know, grow into what I'm here for and who I'm meant to be. And it was that recognition, it was, it was helped al along by reading the work of Brené Brown. When I was about three or four years sober, when I still didn't know that self-worth had been the missing piece, I just thought it was confidence. I thought I was lacking, you know, confidence or, or self-esteem rather, because I was confident, but you can be confident on the outside, but it can be a very thin veneer. It's like an Easter egg. Like if you mm. hit it with a spoon, it cracks, even though it looks solid. Mm. And I remember reading her book, her original one, which was, I thought it was just me, but it isn't. 
and like fireworks of recognition going off when she was talking about the um, the self-worth piece she called it worthiness and it was like I recognized that that was the missing piece and then I've seen it time and time and time again and the women that I work with I have in my masterminds and my retreats and my mentoring they can have all the best ideas they can have fabulous strategy that we've built together but if they don't believe that they can if they don't connect to their innate worthiness none of it matters they won't be able to take consistent, confident action on their goals if they don't feel that they are worthy. So it's just a lay down misere. It's the most important thing I believe that we can develop. Mm. Now, it seems to be quite a hot topic uh, with women in particular. Uh, you know, in this series, we I've interviewed uh, Kristen Envig, um, Anita Sheehan, um, quite a few people who are working with women on self-worth. Is it just a women problem or do guys suffer too? You can't see me because this is a podcast, but I'm shaking my head big time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I will, I'll reference a couple of things here. I will reference Brené's work because she talks about, and I really relate to this, that the points of inflection for women where our self-worth gets um, tested is around parenting and appearance which is incredibly true and for men it's about success and strength yeah. and those they seem to be the areas that um, men can be very vulnerable to disconnecting from their self-worth and very vulnerable to comparison and competition and conditioning just as women are so we both need both of the sexes need to have that strong connection to their sense of worthiness, but it gets fragmented and frayed for different reasons. Right. Let's go into those reasons a little bit. Um, as I've commented before in this series, isn't it extraordinary that that which is innately ours should be so difficult to A, identify, and, and secondly, to get our hands on? What are the forces or what are the reasons that make it so complicated? Well, I'll speak from my experience and from what I've observed, because I think there's lots of different theories and thoughts. But to me, it's the three C's. It's conditioning, it's competition, and it's comparison. So conditioning in terms of you think of the social media world that we live in now and the comparison that comes up as a result of that and how we are constantly conditioned to say this is how a good mother is this is how a this is what a good body looks like this is how a successful business is there is all of this conditioning that's constantly going on with us so we compare ourselves and we compare our like our insides with other people's outsides mm. it's like pressing our nose up against the window thinking that we can see the full picture and finding ourselves wanting mm. and the competition factor is that well bigger is better isn't it like bigger better faster brighter you know we're always looking or again we're conditioned so those three I see them as like a circle of snakes. They're all eating each other. It's like this constant cycle. And unless we can become aware that this is going on and choose to step aside and to see it for what it is, that's when we get stuck in that cycle. That's, right. And it just happens constantly. So it's an ecosystem of three Cs. Yeah, it, a negative one, yes. A negative one in this case. Any chance of that changing or is, are we stuck with the three C's? Are, are we going to have even more three C's in the years ahead? I think the three C's will always be there, but it's our awareness of their existence and the fact that we have a choice 
another C. I didn't realize there was another C coming. But to realize, to recognize that we do have a choice. We can, and I mean, you've, you've taught me some fabulous things with reading the Self-Worth Safari and recognizing the shifts. I mean, we express them in different ways, but we're singing from the, song, the same song sheet. If we raise our self-awareness and make some choices about the way that we interact and view the world and ourselves, we can begin to, to disconnect from those seas and to connect to our internal forces instead. But, you know, that only comes over time and with education and practice. You know, when I want just one example, you know, when I first moved into recovery, into sobriety, I mean, my self-worth was in, was in tatters. And one simple exercise that I had was a gratitude list. And I know everyone's heard of gratitude, yeah, but it actually works. When you start to focus and filter for the good, instead of the things that are like crappy and going wrong, then your whole outlook begins to change. So I think there is a great quote, who said it? It's when you change what you look at, what you see changes. And it's true. When you shift your focus, then more other possibilities emerge. It's almost like being in a, what was it, the matrix? When you get unplugged from mm -hmm. the matrix mm -hmm. and you suddenly go, whoa. So that's what it's all about. I'm not going to settle for that stuff any longer. I'm going to tread my own path. But you need company to do it as well, company and community. Right. Now, we're speaking at the end of a very strange year. It's right at the end of 2020, even though somebody might be listening to this uh, many months from now. Um, it has, of course, been a, a, an incredible year all over the world, in Australia just as much as it uh, has been in Europe and, and the USA. Um, mm -hmm. How has the pandemic um, changed things, for, for better or worse, as far as self-awareness and, and self-worth is concerned? Well, I think it's different for different people. I don't think we can um, put a like a, a sweeping statement across it because there's people that have thrived and there's people that have really suffered and all for different reasons. However, every cloud, I do believe, has a silver lining. And one of the things that I've seen happen is that it's helped people to slow down. It's helped people to um, connect to what feels is important. You know, when you're faced with something that's quite threatening, that was out of your control, it does have a tendency to make you go, well, what is important? Should, should I be doing what I'm doing? You know, where am I placing my, my focus, my attention, my energy? And is that where I'm getting the most fulfillment? Is that where I'm contributing? Is it, is it worthwhile? And I think I know when we went into lockdown here in Sydney, fortunately, we were an island. So we were, we were much luckier than a lot of the world. But my son came home from uni. My daughter wasn't going to school. My husband brought his office back home. And we were this little cocoon and we really reconnected. And I realized that so many of the busy work that I thought was essential actually wasn't. Mm. So the challenge is to continue that pace that allows me to be more considerate and considered in the, in the choices that I make. Mm. And I don't think I would have recognized that as readily if I hadn't been forced to stop. And I think mm. that is true for a lot of people. Mm. Indeed. Now, your book title, uh, your next chapter will, of course, be resonating with many people who are forced to find their next chapter. I don't know what the numbers are like in Australia, but, uh, you know, in the 
the UK alone, we're looking at a projected million of people losing their jobs, with possibly another uh, two, three hundred thousand, depending on how Brexit goes. Um, there's um, for a lot of people, the, the your next chapter will sound less like a choice and more like a necessity right now. What would you say to them? Pat, you're, um, you're in very good company because, yes, there is a lot of... I mean, next chapters are fabulous when you get to choose them, but they can also reveal some interesting opportunities when you didn't get the choice in the first place. They can open doors that you might not have even looked at in mm. the first place. But I'm also not going to be Pollyanna, okay? There's a lot of people who have been in a situation that is just... and are in situations now which are just you know, horrendous to consider in terms of financially and, and what the impost it's had on their families and their security. So when, you're, when you are pushed into a next chapter, the most important thing we can do is support ourselves in terms of that unconditional friendship with ourselves. We need to know when the world is throwing hand grenades our way, we need a safe place to land. And that's with ourselves. We need to have our own backs. So look, I'm an optimist. Mm. Positivity is one of my highest strengths. And so that's where I will always attempt to focus Mm. and just encourage people that a no doesn't mean it's never going to happen. It just means we need to keep trying. We need to keep asking. We need to keep exploring. There is something coming for you. Even if you can't imagine it right now, there is an opportunity that's coming and we need to support ourselves as we keep on exploring and not to do it alone. Community is incredibly important for other people that are having similar experiences. That connection and community can really help us when we feel like we're flailing. So let's look at the future. Um, we've talked a bit about the present. Um, we've certainly talked about the past. Uh, let's, <clears throat> let's take a look at the future. Now, I'm not asking for an economic forecast. Angela, I don't suppose that uh, you have a crystal ball in Sydney anymore than I've, uh, I've got one right here on my desk. But um, looking ahead into the years that come when a lot of people will be changing uh, direction when a lot of people will be um, surfing on their next chapters. Um, what um, what do you see? Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> well, I think that that the pandemic has, in a lot of ways, pushed us forward in terms of um, like technological adoption. And so, like for example, telehealth over here in Australia, as in you know having your doctor's um, consultations by phone or by Zoom, that was never gonna that was gonna be years down down the path. You know, our um, our system over here struggled with the idea, but suddenly, when it was a necessity, you know that old saying, necessity is the mother of invention. Suddenly, within six weeks, like that's it, it's here. And it's staying. So that's happened in a lot of areas. There was a lot of pushback, um, for example, not being able to have events. And then people had to come online for them. And then suddenly people were recognizing that the ability to attend things without disrupting their life had suddenly increased. And they had more people turning up at things and more people being more engaged. So there's a lot of technology that has allowed us to expand. So I think what we're going to find is that people will possibly be willing to take a few more risks and do things that are a little bit unusual that they might not other have, mm. otherwise have because of the experiences they've had. There is no certainty. I mean, we, the, the funny thing is everyone's been talking about 
how much uncertainty there is, but the reality is it was always uncertain. It's just in stark relief now. I mean, our lives can change on a dime. We can get that phone call or we can make that choice or we can close that door. Our life is always changing. We're just now more aware of it. So hopefully it's going to see people embrace opportunities and taking, you know, chances a little more. That's hard to say exactly, but, you know, that's my feeling. Well, on that happy and optimistic note, I think that's a good (laughs) point for us to, to close. Um, Angela's book, uh, Your Next Chapter, is available where all good books are sold. <laughs> Any parting shots, Angela, just before we wrap up? Oh, I could say so many things, but I think the byline of the book sums things up really well. So it's your next chapter, and the byline is ditch your doubt, own your worth, and build the business you really want. And I believe that really that really sums it up for the things that we've been talking about today. So next chapters are evolutions. They're not revolutions. Go for it. Superb. Thank you, Angela. You're welcome. <laughs>